This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. That's right. Business storytellers, how's everyone doing? We want to talk about how do we get and tell better brand stories. And I know some of you guys out there are so gung-ho on throwing around your superlatives, industry-leading, blah, 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 whatever. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're going to talk about today is how do you tell a brand story that can actually make you money, that helps you stand out, and that helps you be different. So I brought an expert on the show here, Aleha Harris. Um, She's a brand storyteller, um, owner of a marketing firm, I guess. I'm going to have to clarify that with her. But we'll get her out of the green room here and find out how do we tell better stories? How do we stay in front of people? How do we stay relevant? How are you today? Hi there. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Christoph. You bet. Flourishmarketing.co is where you can check out her company. Now, tell me about what's the, I don't know, maybe I'm overstating about what's the passion or interest in helping brands tell better brand stories? It really comes from the fact that if you're not telling a clear story, you're not making any money. Um, It's funny because I actually have a client that (laughs) I would have hired her and I would have been her client if her brand story would have been clearer. She lost out on about $10,000. And after working with her in her messaging session, I said, wait a minute, wait, that's what you do? All that gobbledygook that you told me with the lingo and the jargon and the this and the that, that didn't tell me what you did. And I assumed it was something else. And I went and found someone else to do what you do that you do so well, I would have hired you if you had just been clearer. So I love what you said when you opened up this segment about ditching the jargon and actually making more money. As a marketer, you cannot have an ego. You need to check it at the door. And if you are a solopreneur or an entrepreneur and you're putting your marketing hat on, the same goes for you as well. You have to have a humble perspective. No one knows about you or very few people know about you. They've probably never really heard your message before. They don't understand your industry. So how can you boil it down in a way that makes sense to them so that you're not suffering from the curse of knowledge and spouting jargon their way and you are actually communicating a pain point or an unmet need so that they can understand how you fit that. For me, it's, there's two stories going on. You have your story and their story. And your goal is to build a lucrative relationship that allows them to understand that you are an inextricable part of their story. They cannot get to their happy ending on their hero's journey without you and the way that you solve problems and how you can guide them to victory or success. And that all starts with clarity. If you aren't 
clear about what you do, then they won't know that you have this magical elixir that will help them, you know, manifest their dreams and their passions and their goals. And that's why I am so excited about helping people clarify their message. I use a story brand framework to do that because um, people are losing money. They leave money on the table, Kristoff, and I'm not about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm not opposed to making any money either. So did you mention what framework do you use the story brand favor framework? I use the story brand SB7 framework. It's based on a book written by Donald Miller. Yeah. Uh, called mm-hmm. Building a Story Brand, and I am a, a Story Brand Certified Guide. I read the book, I read the book again, I read the book again, and then I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this thing. So I flew to Tennessee, got certified for yeah. five days, and now we use that when I'm coaching people and also when we're creating any of our done-for-you services. Fantastic. And, of course, J.J. Peterson was on the show previously way before we ever did what? live streams. Was he? Um, oh, I love you know. J.J. So that's we talk cool. about we talk the about the world foremost expert on story brand because that's what his dissertation is in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic discussion with him. Of course, we did that way back when we didn't even do live streams at the time. So really briefly, uh, I know you kind of touched on some of these things, but what is a brand story? I know I kind of jokingly, half jokingly said, stop telling everybody how your state of the industry, blah, 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 all these superlative, uh, superlative mumble jumble. But but what is a brand story? What does it come really? What does it come down to? First, I'm going to start telling you what it's not because this is what everybody thinks that it is. Well, back in 1952, my grandfather started this company, and ever since then, me and my four brothers have been. And they think that that is a brand story. That's not even a story. That's not even an interesting story that I want to hear about. Truthfully, when I'm on the internet. A brand story is the way that you connect with your customers and highlight to them how you are a helpful expert that can help them solve their problems and get to the transformative, successful state that they are looking for. A brand story can happen in one sentence, two sentences, five pages, 10 pages of content. It's really about the elements. And the way that I think of a brand story is the way that story brand is kind of based on, and that is using the hero's journey or modified version of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is by Joseph Campbell. It's um, um, uh, the hero with a thousand faces is one of those kind of if you, if you haven't read it, you got to read it in order to consider yourself a storyteller kind of books, right? And it talks about in the monomyth or in all of the myths and legends throughout multiple religions, multiple societies, it all kind of boils down to there's a person, they have a problem, they're called into action, things get in the way, they have these trials and tribulations, they heed the call and then they end up victorious and they um, move away from anything that is negative. And that, because it's so ingrained in the way that we understand the world and process information, that is also the framework that you should use to cultivate your own brand story. Also, I think that it's a misnomer to call it your brand story because that's not really what it is. It's actually your ideal client's brand story. It's you telling them, hey, this is your problem. Hey, this is why I understand and can empathize with your problem and what you are going through and how to fix that. It is not, you are not the hero of the story. They are. And it's your job to guide them to their victory. But it is it is actually relatively hard, right, to think about your audience 
as opposed to yourself because you know we're we're always ourselves you know yeah hopefully (laughs) (laughs) well for the most part but if i'm you know i know what i experience i know what i think and of course a lot of times um i mean i don't want to say older marketers um but experienced marketers right um, it, there used to be a lot more gut feeling, right? Oh, mm-hmm. this is my gut feeling. Why would anybody do that? And you didn't have the numbers. You didn't know. You and didn't today I can't tell or anything. <laughs> no. Right? It was just, yeah, it's a you know print brochure. So how do we how do we come up with that brand story that actually makes a difference? And that kind of so I've you know I've followed the the brand story model. Um, at times as well. And of course, JJ kind of opened my eyes to it. I mean, I knew about it, but he opened my eyes to it even even more because we talked about it for 30 minutes. But I don't think it comes natural if you don't think about it. Like you literally have to have it in front of you and go check, 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 you know, like all the things are covered. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a behavioral modification in the way that you not only approach your marketing messaging, but the way that you approach your business. It, if you're really employing a client-centric approach, a client-first approach, your service package names will be different. The way that your website is laid out will be different because your goal is to help illustrate how they can actually be better in the end. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, you get into business because you have a passion for doing something. So you're like, oh, I just love, I don't know, baking cupcakes. Oh, the world needs my cupcakes. And you open up your bake shop and you didn't look around and see that there were 20 bake shops around and there was no problem left to be solved. And now you're not making any money because there's no one that needs an additional cupcake, right? If you had, you might have looked around and said, well, you know what? These are all regular cupcakes, but I'm in uh, Seattle, Washington, and the vegan population is coming up. Tech is coming in. People are being more mindful of their diet. So you know what I'm going to open is a vegan cupcake shop. And I'm going to speak directly to the problems that my ideal customer had. They want the sweet. They want it to taste delicious. But at the same time, they don't want to have to deal with the eggs and, and the milk and the butter. That would be a problem that you could solve while also staying in your passion because no one cares about your passion unless it solves their problem. So you communicating your passion over and over and over again is actually narcissistic and goes back to what we were talking about before about how you cannot have an ego when you're marketing. The hardest marketing to do is your own. So you need to step out of your own shoes and into that of your customers. And I love what you said, Christoph. the best way to do that is to ask questions, survey, get some data and see where, again, your story and their story intersect. Yeah, it's very interesting. Step out of your own shoes. Now, I do disagree with you on, on one point that you made there. I mean, there is always room for one more cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> I True mean, story. True story. <laughs> I'm a cupcake fan, so true. That is, that is true. <laughs> true story. But um, I know what you mean, right? If there's already a bunch of stores or or whatever, I mean, you have to figure out what's unique about you. Of course, on the other side of that coin, um, you know there's a market uh, when uh, when there's already a bunch of stores. And it went.
<laughs> people are going to compete on price, right? And it's a race to the bottom when you do that. Then it's like, well, who can have the cheapest cupcakes? Well, why would I get cupcakes for my kid's birthday at shop X when shop Y is 50 cents cheaper per cupcake? That does no good for nobody. You want it to be that you are competing on value and the story that you tell. So the difference between a mid-range nice handbag, like a coach handbag, right? And a more luxury handbag, like a Louis Vuitton handbag, is the story that is told. So coach handbags, let's say you're going to pay $300. Coach is known for their leather. They have very stylish things. They're very durable. Louis Vuitton handbags, let's say you're going to start at about 1000 They might not even be real leather. But what's the difference? Why is Louis charging 1000 and Coach is charging 300 It's a story. When I have a Louis handbag, I'm now branded as successful. I ha- I'm stylish. I'm part of the upper echelon. What I'm paying for is the story that they've told me. And they've told me that, hey, your problem is that you want to showcase your success. You want to showcase your style. You want to showcase your status. Well, we can help you do that. That's how we fit into your story. And oh, by the way, if you really are part of this status level, it's going to cost you at least a thousand dollars to purchase our handbag. Yeah, I never understood why any of these handbags had to be so expensive. You're like, um, wallet, keys, phone. What's the problem? <laughs> Just put them in your pockets and go. <laughs> absolutely. So tell us, how do you make a brand story clear? That's always interesting to me as well, because um, even when people uh, you know, start to have their story under control and they realize what they need to talk about, you know, now they're putting three people through approval hell, or now we're making it too difficult or, you know, whatever. That's one reason I love live streams as much mm-hmm. as can go wrong, but it's really hard for us to fake how yeah. we are, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if I'm a jerk at some point in these 27 minutes, somebody will notice it. Somebody will notice like, it. Woo, Christoph. <laughs> What's this dude doing? But, but, you know, seriously, though, how do you, how do you make your story clear? I mean, in addition to, you know, have, have good, processes i mean don't get hung up in these stupid approval help processes and just you know crank out stuff and share it but how do you how do you get there from your perspective it's it's about who you're selling to and you everyone thinks that they're selling to their their client who is a professional adult on the outside (laughs) and i am smart and fully intelligent and that's actually not who you're selling to you're selling to the emotional little kid inside of them who's buying So think about it this way. If you have kids, this will be a lot easier. Imagine your kid going to show and tell at um, our our, our career day at school. And they're like going around, okay, little Timmy, what does your daddy do? Well, I see lots of photos of people smiling and their hands are up in the air. And you know what? My daddy's the one who helps people have their hands up in the air and helps them all sweaty and they're dancing on the dance floor. That's what my daddy does for a living. And what daddy really does is he owns an event production company. And daddy could go on and on about the, you know, number of feet of cord and number of uplighting and another do, 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 do. But what does daddy really do? Daddy's the one who keeps everybody's hands in the air and everybody on the dance floor. That's what daddy does. So think about it from the perspective of, of a precocious fifth grader. 
how would they describe what you do? And that is going to be clearer and speak actually to the buying behaviors more effectively, tapping into those emotional triggers and signals that most people don't. I could tell you, hey, you, what do you want for your event? Corporate event, it's like your end of your holiday party and people are trying to let loose. Wouldn't it be great? Think about the bonding. Everyone's hands are in the air. So Sheila has already kicked her shoes off long time ago. And the, the music is going and they're saying, oh my gosh, this is the best company to work for ever. I could tell you that. Or I could say, yes, we offer um, four DJs for four hours for um, different stages and da, da, da. no, no one wants to listen to that. That's not how I'm going to make my buying decision. So if you are speaking clearly and you're speaking visually, it's the first step in making your brand story clear. I would also like to add to that, that this becomes more difficult when you've been in business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and you're trying to reinvent the wheel you have to get into the the very core. So take whatever you sell, your, whether it's email sequences or cans of soda, put it in front of you and say, well, how does someone feel when they open this? Why mm -hmm. does someone reach for this can, right? Well, how does this change their day? How does this change their life? And start with that experience rather than, well, we've been doing it this way for 20 years. So how are we just going to make marginal tweaks? Marginal tweaks only mean marginal shifts in revenue. Yeah, don't get me started on marginal shifts anyways. Uh, I, I think there's some things you want to slowly move and test, you know, like if you make a big update to to something, but... Especially software uh, and IT. So like IT yeah. people, don't get scared. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about you. So... But but the, the trigger word for me a little bit here is, I mean, the whole thing, oh, we've done it like this for 20 years. And I mean, what industry hasn't changed in 20 years? I mean, is there any industry left? No. <laughs> and industries nowadays change on a yearly, monthly basis. If you're not a, uh, if you're not really analyzing your customers and having a process to continuously say, what is my net promoter score number? Is it stable? Is it up? Is it down? What are the problems of my ideal client? Have we asked them? It's so funny to me that marketers and business owners have this thing where they feel they should just intuitively know what all of their buyers think and how they make buying decisions. And that's a lot of pressure, unnecessary pressure to put on yourself. Just ask. Um, and when you do ask and ask consistently and monitor and measure their responses using data coding and collection techniques, if you don't have one of those, find your fellow data scientists or sociologists, they can help you pull together well, how are trends changing over time and how should we be trained changing to match. There's lots of things that can drive your business growth, change, scaling, and development. The biggest thing that you always need to keep your pulse on is how is the problem of my ideal client change and how do I need to shift my messaging and marketing channels and techniques to match how they are currently solving their problems? We went from the phone book to Google to Instagram to TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. If you're shopping for certain products and services, you're more likely to look on Instagram or TikTok first before you even Google it. Have you shifted that way with the way that your clients are solving their problems? Yeah, it's very interesting. And the other thing you mentioned, talk to your customers. Quick plug to voxpopme.com. 
check them out. It's a software as a service platform. You can send out um, what do you call them, space to to consumers, and they can answer them asynchronously. Now, many of us know what that means now, since our kids were at home during the school yeah. year. Um, and yeah. that's the reason everybody knows what that means. Uh, but they answer your questions, and then it's all analyzed automatically, um, and you can check it out. But why do you think check that out? <laughs> check it out. Voxpopsme.com. All right. So, um, okay, but why? Why? So I always hear that, anyways. People talk to your customers, whatever. But in reality, I see very few marketers or any, you know, talk to anybody ever. Uh, barely each other. So how do <laughs> yes, we? Yes, true. <laughs> Hey, we're just speaking truth here, you know. Yeah. How do we how do we change that behavior? I mean, certainly, and, and just to be very clear, uh, I mean that's my job, Vox Pop, me, director of content yeah. marketing there. But how do we get there? In addition to tools like like Vox Pop, me, and others, how how do we get there to get people to actually do that and not just say, "Oh, yes, you're correct. I should talk to customers. I'll start tomorrow." And then tomorrow, like tomorrow is Sunday. Tomorrow. So they move on. It's like the diet that you never start. I'm going to start that on Monday. <laughs> You're like, how many Mondays has it been so far, my friend? <laughs> I, I agree. Most, most marketers, and this is actually kind of what gives marketers a bad name, is that most marketers are not database marketers so that they don't get results. They can't, they don't start with data they don't measure and so that they can't guarantee an ROI. So people get burned spending tens of thousands of dollars with marketers and then they don't have anything to show for it. Even if they have a beautiful website, they, that flurry of excitement for that, oh, it moves, oh, the green is the right color green. Yeah, but is it bringing you clients? So you want to look for marketers who are basing um, on strategy and data and then can promise you some analytics and measurement. And then even more importantly from there is, okay, I'm giving you these analytics. Am I just reading them to you? Or am I telling you what they mean and how we're going to pivot and shift based on these analytics and also knowing when to shift. So I can give you social media metrics after one month of doing content for you. Am I really going to change a whole lot after one month? Not really, because it takes three to six months for any type of social media posting before we can really get true analytic numbers to make decisions based on. And you need to not only have the data and need to know where your customers are, what they're thinking, but you also need to know when and how to leverage that data so you're not just running around like a chicken with your head cut off and constantly changing, constantly shifting and losing alignment, not only with yourself as a business owner, but with your business's vision and overall goal. Whenever you're hiring a marketer or you are a marketer yourself, all like on your wall in front of you, have your five-year and 10-year goals plastered there. And because there's so much out there that you can see like, oh yeah, I'm going to go market. Oh, ooh, brand story is the new thing. Oh, I'm going to go brand story myself, whatever that means, right? <laughs> Instead, say, here's my 10-year goal. What are the activities I need to do to get there? And what are like three to five? We're not talking about, let me try to do everything at every time. And then once you pivot and shift, maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, but you're using data to monitor those shifts. There is a huge place for intuition inside being an entrepreneur. Not everything is going to have data. I am very um, intuition led as an entrepreneur and especially as a bioenergetic business coach, 
that's what we roll on. But we also rely on data because we're not stupid. You can lead intuition into a certain point, but your intuition can't answer everything. You need to be able to lead certain processes and systems in a streamlined way using uh, metrics that you measure over time. Yeah, and intuition. I mean, I'm a big fan of intuition as well. And, and certainly you can make changes based on intuition, but then you have to measure something at some point, you know, and and this whole timeline when Joe Polizzi was on the show, he says, you know, if you have only six months, don't do content marketing. And I said, nope. why does anybody only have six, six months? months? Are they sick? Like uh, terminal cancer? I don't, I mean, I'm not making a joke at terminal cancer at all. No, but that's why, a very good question. Why would you only have six months? That is a very good question. <laughs> I know why. Because somebody's pushing you, somebody, you know, maybe you're running out of money. I don't know. But yeah, that's, at the end that's of the day. basically what it is. You're running out of money. And, and, and if people come to me and they're like, usually, that's how the conversation starts. I need, I need Instagram. What? What? I, ah, oh, my business is, is going, I'm not getting enough leads. Get me on the ground. I'm like, let's, <laughs> let's take a step back for a second. Let's brought Instagram and content marketing. Like you said, you need lead now. That is not the direction I'm going to push you in first. Let's talk about getting people into the top of your marketing funnel. What does that look like? Do you have money to run some ads? Can we hire a lead generation firm? Mm -hmm. Do you have a sales team? Do they just need better training? Do we need to get an info product out there to get some cash in the door? So think about it strategically. Your brand story crosses every single platform and should be in every single messaging that you do. But it doesn't define your marketing funnel. Your marketing funnel, you can set up a marketing funnel that is completely has all of the right things in there and it doesn't work at all because your brand story is like non-existent. You can also have a super solid brand story without the mechanics behind it to push it out into the mm -hmm. world. So you need the marrying of both. You need to make sure that your email sequences, your social media, your website, they all are speaking in the right way and that they exist and that you're funneling movement through through them, not just putting them up and hoping yeah. that people see it because you're cool. Absolutely. So many fantastic insights. I'm really glad we connected. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and pleased that you joined us today to share your insights. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. This has been a blast, Krista. You bet. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.